we will go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Talk Games. Arcade Weekly. It's arcade games. We talk about weekly one game arcade a week for weekly arcade weekly. It happens. I am one of your hosts, Wiggly, and on the telephone is our fellow and more wide-reaching podcast co-host, Xerxes, with the Russo Swerve, Rob, from Hardcore Gaming 101. Hey, what's up? What's up? Yeah, I forgot. Power be with you, and also with you. Yeah. We Talk Games is, of course, brought to you each week by Dr. Tung Tung's Crack. Dr. Tung Tung's Crack. Put it in the ice, bitch. Dr. Crack. It's crack. Crack not included. I'd buy that. Yeah, it's okay. And for the crack intolerant, I think, right? Exactly. And I heard that crack is really good because people leave their family, they leave their job, give all their money away, and go into back alleys and do different things to people. So it must be good. So Dr. Tung Tung wanted to get in on this, but he said, you know what? Let's leave out the crack. In this day and age, there's a market for that, I think. Obviously. And as is not the customary custom, guess what? It's freaking Holiday Haymakers! Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle right away! Oh, it's quiet, it's quiet in the world, cause so great. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, it's quiet in the world, cause so great. Deck the balls, deck the halls with uh, Holiday Haymakers. Here we go. And is the custom we don't do, but now we did do. Rob has picked the game that we're going to review this week on Arcade Weekly. It is an arcade game. So what have you picked for us today? I mean, I thought we'd talk about Warrior Blade, Rostan Saga, Episode 3. I guess it's Taito's third Rostan game. Our first two Rostan games aren't like strictly beat em ups, right? They're more like they're a little Action bit more adventure, like adventure platformy, yeah, kind of in the like ghosts and goblins. Mm. Does Mo- stuff just like charge you from off screen all the time, like in Trojan or Kung Fu, and most like Haunted House, uh, oh, the, yeah. the Castlevania of arcade games, <laughs> worst Castlevania ever. But it's it's interesting to know that uh, Rastan Saga is an episodic arcade game. Yeah, because it's episode three. I guess that's the final chapter. Would that's, we see Rastan again? I probably, but I'm not sure anyone noticed. He's probably hiding behind a bush somewhere in another Taito game. Taito, 1991, our friends at Taito, well, my one friend at Taito. Rastan Saga 2 was released in 1989. Rastan Saga began in 1987. So you had a two-year gap between then and then another two-year gap between that gap. So you had a big technology gap, theoretically, between one and three. And this game carried on Taito's very hooked on widescreen before widescreen displays were utilized and used that unique trick that we talk about sometimes to make the two screens happen. Is it on the, like, what, Darius 2 board? Probably that I don't know. I would have to turn to TT's for TT snap stats, but I'm not going to because time happens yeah it's linear like that i don't know if it was on that board but it would make sense to me i don't think it would be on the ninja warriors board ninja warrior board because then the game would really suck i might have been on the darius darius of course driving three screens uh two of them were facing you the other one was using the good old asteroids and early vectrix game technique of putting the monitor up up Uh, behind what your face would be projecting down onto a plexiglass and this made a smooth transition between the three screens and Rastan Saga used this except only on two screens which is smart because it was two player and like I said I guess they wanted to go for that widescreen before widescreen. Yeah it's interesting like you still see Darius games in Japanese arcade to this day. It's weird because space is at such a premium in those places that they're so cluttered and crowded but There's always room for at least one Darius cabinet, it seems. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a beautiful three-screen game. It makes sense. It's not the most complex shooter, but the bosses are, let's face it, when you get a, a siren going off and a giant boss is approaching now and then you see this wonderful mechanical fish it's gorgeous not a lot of mechanical fishes in rastan saga three no. episode three yeah but there are fishy type things 
Rastan Saga 3, the quest for more brand awareness. I don't think it succeeded, but... Um, so it's it's an interesting game because it is a it is a beat 'em up. So it's a different. It, it looks a lot like Golden Axe at first blush, right? Because it's got the shirtless barbarian dude with the sword. It's got two other characters. There's like a knife guy and then a whip lady. Let me go down characters here. It's a two player cooperative game, and you could use from the three characters: Rastar, who's the bandit; Sophia is the thief, which that's a little weak on class distinction. But everyone's favorite ninja, the ninja for hire. Brave Ninja Dewey. Yeah. Dewey. <laughs> Dewey. Dewey. Nastar, or they called him Nastar for some reason in uh, England. Rastin has his Rastin sword, Sophie, her dominatrix, like tongue flicking whip. And yeah. Karate Kid Ninja Dewey has the cool fucking dual blades uh, with the hilts forward, as you mentioned. Very high fantasy, this game. So you can choose from these three people, which is nice. I don't know if it's the first, but it's the first game I can think of that's like a beat-em-up RPG hybrid. It's very light on the RPG stuff, but it does have things like branching paths. Mm. I think the first the first stage is over in like a few seconds. And then it, I think you get to choose where you go from there. There's English and Japanese flavor text. I'm not sure if I'm playing the global version of the ROM different because I, I only played like the master ROM, which is, I think, the Japanese version. Yeah, that's what's interesting. <clears throat> it has English text. There's Japanese subtext, which types on. There's a little picture in the middle. And then some of the characters are speaking German. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I didn't play this out in the arcade, although I had did play Rastin. Uh, Rastar, I can't keep saying Nastar, Nastar, Rastin, Rastar. I did play Rastin in the arcade. I also played Rastin 2. Rastin 2, not a big difference over the original Rastin, except that it did have voice. Finally, in Rastin 3, you have a lot of voice. Most of it is muffled, and I yeah. we can only imagine that it is German. There's some English things when people shout out things like, May power be with you! Or, one nice thing is that Rastin has finally stopped trying to grip a raw egg between his butt cheeks. Yeah, so he can, yeah. <laughs> he actually walks normally. But the one consistent tie-in to uh, both Rastar games is that he still walks upstairs now, alone or in pairs, and in the same robot way, which is both refreshing and charming. So I'm glad that they kept that robot walk in the game in some manner. It's a nice way to progress the saga with three different characters. Yeah, I'm not really sure. It looks like after this, there was like a PlayStation 2 Rastan game of some kind mm, mm. and then a GameCube one. But I've never seen these or played them. There's an article on Hardcore Gaming 101, which is not really my website. It's it's uh, my buddy Kurt Collada's, but I do the podcast for it. It has a long, probably the most words you're ever going to want to read about Rostan. It's, it's, <laughs> so it's a pretty long article. It'll probably give you the full details on what sorry misadventures. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like Rostan never really took off. Like I'd see Rostan the first two games around, but I think by 1991 when this came out, mm -hmm. it's just like it was too little, too late, maybe. Like we said, like it looks a lot like Golden Axe. I think it's hard to say that this is a better game than Golden Axe. It just has the extra screen. But the RPG like flavor text is interesting. I think in the Japanese version, one of the flavor text ends with something like "May the Force be with you" or something. It literally <laughs> like it yeah. really does like go straight from Star Wars. So there's no way to not think of that when he says "May the power be with you." In those days, like I don't think things like. <laughs> We talk I don't think. About I don't that think. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think Lucasfilm was like carefully scrutinizing Taito's like barely produced arcade games. So yeah, I mean, in 1991, though, I think this is the first time I've ever the earliest game I've seen that does this, where it has these RPG things in there, and it kind of has branching paths, right? And then mm -hmm. I think sometimes if you complete certain levels, you'll get like uh, bonus items or some kind of like power up things that change your abilities a little bit. Yeah, you can like you, shoot fires out of your sword, and the whip becomes electric. Everything becomes electric that you shoot people with, and different things like that. Little power-ups, but and there's like, not like, a lot like, of power-ups. Uh, jewelry and stuff you get at the end of it. Like if you get, like a, I recall, like a necklace or something you can win or something like that. I think the story of the game is he's trying to find some treasure. Mm. And when I played it, uh, he didn't find the treasure. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he yeah. said, like, a, he said, maybe the jewel is invisible. And I'm like, well... 
that's kind of an anticlimax. I don't really, I'd love to. And then, and then it said Rastan went on to find a kingdom to conquer. So it is like very Conan-esque in that sense, right? Oh, yeah. In the very beginning, there is an American intro voice, which reminded me of Conan the Librarian, because here's this barbarian sitting on the throne. He doesn't have a shirt on. He's all oiled up. And he uh, is, the story of how I became king is so long that I can't tell it in one night. All this text is run together in like (laughs) comic sans. But I'll tell you as long as I can about those days filled with danger and treasure. And I think I read it more threatening than the actual voice actor on this game. So it's very very funny. uh, (laughs) I'd like to tell you a story if you'll let me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very mellow. It's weird. And other than that, though, like after this, I think the next game I can think of that does this would be like Capcom's Tower of Doom, the first D&D licensed game, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. That was like 93. And then in 94, Taito took another crack at it and they did a game called Dungeon Magic or in some territories, I think, called Lightbringer. Mm. Which probably both are titles that belong to other games. I know Dungeon Magic does because that was an NES game. That was like a really weird RPG. And that one's interesting because it's isometric, but it's a beat 'em up. It's like a oh, oh. and it's very much like the Capcom game. And I actually just found out about this uh, last night when I was doing a little bit of research on this. And it looks interesting. I wish I had time to really play it through. It looks really ambitious, and uh, but it, like a lot of Taito beat-em-ups, it, it doesn't seem to have gotten a lot of traction. And then after that, I think in 90, maybe 96, was Capcom's Dungeons & Dragons uh, Shadow Over Mystara. Oh, yeah. Which we is, talked about which is, that. <laughs> that's an awesome one. Everybody loves that. Our review of that on We Talk Games is a great jumping-on point for people to listen to of We Talk Games. It's also a great jumping-off point. You might jump off in the first five minutes of the episode, but... Very fun, very different episode. And, you know, that's what we like to do is uh, be fun and be different. And I am remiss in not talking about uh, Hardcore Gaming 101. The first thing I want to know is, when you reach episode 102, will you be changing the name to Hardcore Gaming 102? Uh... We could, or we could do like like true college style and do like 201, Hardcore Gaming 201, right? 301. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I once did a show called Hardcore Hemingway 101. Let's talk about that website. It's not just a podcast. It's uh, loads of good information. Yeah, it's a a website. It's done by uh, my buddy, uh, Kurt Collada, who I think you've also met when we did the uh, Long Island retro game show mm, which is a really mm. cool show it was amazing yeah that was a that was a great i was really impressed with that uh that kind of convention yeah yeah so he he's been doing this this website since i think like 2006 or something like that uh, and I, I read 2004 because i began in 2006 oh, yeah. so he's i okay. guess he started like a forum or something in in 2004 yeah he had a uh like a castlevania website for in a contra website mm. and those were on the old like uh i think classicgaming.com or something like that one of those old like early you know mid 90s like the first retro gaming major retro gaming website i think there was like you know they were hosted by them for a little while and then he did hardcore gaming 101 uh as a kind of like the title is very tongue-in-cheek like it was a meant to be kind of silly but it does kind of live up to it the specialty of the site and the reason why i don't write a lot of stuff for it is because that when you do an article on any game you're supposed to cover every game in the series and sometimes that's like really really a lot of stuff to play through (laughs) oh yeah and and if like if like there's a japanese only like cell phone game from 1998 it that's you have to talk about it so you know in whatever series i don't think that applies to rastan but um now i do the podcast for the show which we call the the top 47,858 games of all time yes. where we uh <laughs> we rank about two games per show <laughs> so we're, we're making uh, slow but steady progress and basically yeah it's just like it, people nominate games for us to rank and then so we play them, we talk about them, and then we try and figure out where they rank compared to the other games we've already talked about and ranked. And right now, we've, I think we've done about, uh, I want to say, 30 or 200. 40. Oh, really? Oh, oh okay. no. Yeah. I, I yeah, must have missed a couple to, episodes. 
Well, yeah, it's that's easy to do. Like, um, they're not all winners, but they're pretty good. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing that version of the show for about a year and a half. And uh, before that, we had another version of the show that was a lot more like your show, um, but uh, much, much longer and more boring, I think. And mm. that was that one. I don't I mean, I like it, but it's kind of like we just stick to one game and we could talk about it for like three hours sometimes. And yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really, really it wasn't the most popular show. Let's put mm. it that way. Mm. Like I, I liked it, but I'm not sure anybody else did. But yeah, like if you want to check out the list just to see what games we've ranked, because it's only we can only rank games that have been nominated. We can't. Um, just like decide we want to talk about, you know, I want to talk about, you know, Super Mario Brothers. So we have something easy to you know. Yeah, not yeah. unless something nominates. So um, it's you can check it out at bit.ly slash four seven K games and you'll see the big damn list. Yeah. And awesome. uh, I came here to, to talk Rost on. I don't have to just plug my own stuff. So. No, but I want people to know yeah. why we felt it important to have you uh, as a guest host as well, uh, because you, all, you know your stuff. So that's, kinda- yeah, it's cool, you know. You saw me do the Retronauts thing, right? The Retronauts panel was that? Were you in the audience for that? Uh, our or, our spy was. Okay, yeah, that was. That's I think that's been that's on their their main feed now. That was an interesting show because we had to do. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been invited to do it on my own. My show is not nearly as big as Dragon. the Dragon Slayer series, which right. is a series of really early Japanese PC games, PC RPGs from like the kind of date back from like before. They're pre-Dragon Quest. They started out before Dragon Warrior, right? Okay. So they were uh, an example of one guy who knew how to code games, kind of, and he was just getting in on the scene, and he would create versions of RPGs that he thought would be like more action-based. Uh-huh. And every one of them is different from the one before it. Every one of them spins off into like a series of other games that are tangentially related, but not really the same and it's just like it's the most confusing series since Wonder Boy. It's like it's it just <laughs> sprawls out, and they're still releasing games in this series in 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 a sense because like uh, the Xanadu game, Dragon Slayer, what is it? Two Xanadu, which is not like the Olivia Newton John thing. It's the oh yeah, it's right. Yeah, it, unfortunately, it's not. But um, they're still releasing games in that particular series. So it was nuts, and it's probably the most obscure thing you could ever talk about in front of people. And it was like a planetarium where they were holding these. Yes, pants. it was literally like it was like a. So we were at the bottom of this planetarium, and there's this like huge dome over us, and we were like projecting like, you know, like pictures of these old games. And I, I saw people walk out like almost immediately. <laughs> we had that too. Yeah, it's a IMAX theater, but I wanted to really keep it old school, so we were like using Newton Emates and newton pads and uh, like an old power book 2800 and things like that and i only had all the controllers set out i we didn't even we didn't even want to do like a powerpoint or anything like that and uh, yeah there was a couple people one person fell asleep and there was a snore in our thing and it was was hilarious yes i would have been honored yes it was something it was a unique crowd and all the panels should have been in more of a classroom setting i think not that we were putting on a class, but yeah. it would have been a more proper environment for that. I kind of enjoyed it. I felt like I was in an operating theater. Like you, yes, like it's like everybody's yes. kind of like up above you, looking down <laughs> on you as you like nerded up over these games. Yeah, and uh, but it was interesting because like uh, your listeners probably know Retronauts. If they they they, they mm-hmm. might not know my show, but they they would definitely know Retronauts. And um, it was great to like uh, the Retronauts guys are really as uh, friendly as they sound and they really do know their stuff. It was a great thing. So you can check that out on the Retronauts uh, uh, feed and I think the Dragon Slayer. And then we also did one. We did a King of Fighters episode in their hotel. And uh, yeah, and and uh, and and a Gradius episode, which is like probably Mm. for the those are two like much more arcade things that uh, your your listenership might appreciate. So those are worth checking out, too. But um yeah, I mean, I kind of want to get back to, to Rostan. This game is just transfixing, right? It's, yes. it's so weird. I just have to do a little self-plugging, too, in case we get some crossover. Oh, sure, sure. Um, we had three iterations of the program as well. The first iteration was a bunch of guys getting around talking together that all worked in game stores or very close to game stores. And, you know, back then I had, this is 2006, I had uh, in my noodle probably well over 1,500 games just 
remembered and could just you know bring them up like rote we once did an episode on every controller ever made and it took i think about four hours um, because we went into some weird ones and some well-known ones and some What's ones a, that people I'd, I'd made like fun to hear, of. like, what do you think was the weirdest controller? Oh, well, I always have to go to the Turbo Graphics and the PC Engine because that's my favorite system uh, of all time. Neo Geo being my second favorite system, which I have to mention because for some reason it makes people laugh when I say Neo Geo is my second favorite system. <laughs> Uh, but the, so mm-hmm. they made a pachinko controller for their uh, for their pachinko kun games, uh, which are pachinko games but role playing. Like you're yeah, trying you, to say, <laughs> have you played them? <laughs> yeah, I've played the pachikun games. Some yes. of them, they're they're inter- they they made a lot of those, right? Oh, they're they cool. did. Yeah, NES, and uh, I don't know how far they continued on after the eight bit market, but. They actually made a controller for that that was very similar to a pachinko-type controller. It had a little lever that you would squeeze so that you could control the velocity of the pachinkos that would go up and try yeah. to land in places. So that's one of my favorite. I mean, you know, there's ones like for Denshin Go. Uh, oh, yeah, the, go the train one? Yeah, so that's kind of neat. But we also talked about Nintendo's different tries with the Nintendo Max or things like that. I think that's what it was called. Oh, yeah. That was that had the uh, weird circle stick thing. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a, another thing that I really liked was the speed board. So the speed board came out. It was just this piece of plastic that you put on the table, and you would put your regular NES controller inside of this thing that looked like what you would maybe send your fighter down to blow up the Death Star. So you put it in there and then you were supposed to use like a typewriter to do the controller with both hands and this was uh, to make you speedier. Yeah, that was probably related to like the the 80s. I mean, I don't know how much of a tangent you want to go on, but... (laughs) We, we go we all over the place. Yeah. So that's that's probably related to like this the whole like uh Takashi Meijin phenomenon in like the mid to late eighties in Japan. You know that guy? Maybe. Okay, so you played Adventure Island, right? Yes. So you know how in in Adventure Island, the American versions of the games, the guy's name is Master Higgins. Yes. Right? So in Japan, he looks a little bit different and he was uh takahashi majin which means like master takahashi oh okay. he was a he was a uh hudson soft employee who <laughs> achieved incredible fame all of a sudden because he could uh play their uh nes port of i think star force uh-huh um he could fire off 16 shots per second by wow. putting the controller down on a table and just like rapidly tapping the uh, fire button, like like it's like watching his finger is like, it's unbelievable. He must have been a big Can't hit with it. the ladies. Yeah, <laughs> I um no sorry no that's good. Uh, no, I mean he was like he was amazing. Like he he and he became like a like a, a celebrity, like an actual gaming celebrity. And he's a really funny, friendly looking guy. He's got like this. He's nowadays he's like just this beautiful bald round head and he's just like the biggest smile on him he's like almost like a buddha like character mm-hmm. not not uh not like morbidly obese or anything but like he's uh he's just like a really like he does look like you know like somebody who would be like a master of something mm. and so they yeah so when they did wonder boy they just made it into his game and there was even a cartoon made about him where he wow. had like a some kind of like tinkerbell-esque uh fairy who followed him around i think i'm not really sure but yeah so like there were a bunch of controllers like that um I see, I see. hudson soft put out some controllers that had i think suction cups on the bottom yeah 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 uh-huh. so yeah i wonder if that's what that was but anyway yeah so that's interesting <laughs> so, of yeah, course yeah. my favorite game that he's in is uh bomberman s for the saturn the 10 player bomberman you could play all the different Hudson characters. When they brought it to America, you couldn't. You could play different color Bombermans. But in Japan, you could play Bonk and Master Higgins, which I can't remember the name that you just told me. It's okay. <laughs> and, and a lot of different Hudson characters. So it was, it was uh, pretty cool. And it's still my favorite Bomberman game. Um, it, when you played it six players, it was full screen. When you played it ten, then it, it, everybody became really tiny, and then it got to be like widescreen game. So ten yeah. players was kind of rough, but uh, up to, I think it was up to six. It might have even been eight. 
I think six. I think six was a cutoff. And they had a special Bomberman controller with Bomberman on it. They had a Bomberman tap, all this other stuff, which um, you had to get uh, if you were a big Bomberman fan. It's it's nice that Bomberman's still around out there now. Like They're yeah. still making Bomberman games. And I think seem- he went back to being Pixels, which is good. Yeah, yeah. That's that was always really cute artwork. Um, the artwork in Rostan is the, the, see the gentle segue there. So we'll, yes, let us Rostan, do that. In Rostan episode three, like it, it does look pretty good. Like it, I'd say it looks maybe just a little bit better than Golden Axe. I think it looks a lot better than Golden Axe, and I think that it brings a lot more high fantasy into Golden Axe than Golden Axe did, as well as a lot more diversity, because in Rostan Saga three. Episode three, I should say, you have these little—I don't know what you would call them—prequel levels, like one where you're riding a horse. Well, yeah. what would you, you would call this the battle toad thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it reminded me of. Yeah, there's like one where you're like riding a dragon up like a an incredible updraft that yes. just like pulls you up the. Like, you know. Yeah, those up. are really cool. You're going down a river on a raft, so that's like the battle toad thing. What and you know the battle toad thing because I don't I don't know as much about um, those type of games anymore console games so the second version of the show was uh, console games mostly and then we would have a big celebrity guest star like nolan bushnell or um, ralph bear or tommy tallarico or somebody like that would be a guest uh, on the show and we did that for several years and those would be like two or three hour shows but then we said yeah. you know what we want to do something weekly and i don't know why we thought arcade games but we did and uh, and that's what we've been doing ever since it's a good niche, though, because, like, there's a lot of game podcasts out there. God knows there are a lot of them. But, mm. like, it's uh, most of them do skew really heavily towards console games, I think, just because that's what you can collect. And it's accessible, uh, it's, yes. Yeah, but, you know, there's arcade games out there. There's, like, so many of them. And it's like, like I said, like, I just found out about this uh, Lightbringer game that Taito did yesterday. And I can't believe I'd never heard of that before because it looks bonkers. But uh, it's like, you know, I, I find like with arcade games, there's always stuff. And I listened to you, um, I guess it was probably a few months ago, but um, you did a, a Pit Fighter episode uh-huh. where you went over uh, you went over every uh, single digitized sprite arcade game you could think of. And that there's I, a lot. There are. There's a lot. I was impressed. I impressed, but that's a that's a sphere of game knowledge. I will cede entirely to you. I don't really want to know. Um, there's definitely I, more. Uh, but I was falling asleep myself, just trying to <laughs> think. It was, no, it was it was interesting. Like I was, I was like, oh yeah, that game. And like some games, I, you kind of forget because oh, yeah. you know, in the mind's eye, you remember these games. You don't always remember that they were like digitized. True, character like sprites. Like sometimes you just like I knew Pit Fighter was. That was like the whole reason to play Pit Fighter, but. But like other games, I was like, I forgot that that was what that was. But yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. I think it's a good idea. Sometimes we have good ideas. Other times, hmm. <laughs> it's just for like, me and Kyle. That's what we. Yeah, our rankings concept is like I think such a profoundly stupid idea that it attracts people just for that reason because yeah, it's just it's awesome. so dumb. Like why? <laughs> like we were talking about like um, ranking. Like where does this fit in? Like right now. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Is like you know ranked at number I don't know fifty or something out of two, and it's like where where do we factor in um, wind jammers compared? You know, it's like it's, right. it's totally stupid, but I think focusing on arcades is a great gimmick. Mm, I like mm, it. Mm, it, mm. it. It gave me a reason to uh, to get into the show. So cool. Great. If, if, if you're coming to this because I'm there, I don't know why you would do that. But One of my yeah, favorite episodes is Wall Street. If you want to listen to a good <laughs> episode, Wall Street. If you want to listen to the best episode of our second generation, listen to Summer Meat Twins. Uh, and that's where I first started my um, collaboration with Team Meat and became the voice of uh, the, those games. But uh, those two guys you're were the, fantastic. You're the guy who says Super Meat Boy at the yeah, beginning? yeah. Yeah. Can you do it for me? Yeah, five bucks, so. Okay. All right. Tell me. Ma- totally mail it to you, yeah. <laughs> Super Meat Boy! Sometimes I get it wrong. Yeah. Warp Zone! I, wow, I've done that. We we, we ranked Super Meat Boy. Did and you? I, uh, yeah, not too long ago. Um, I think it might be like a Patreon-only like bonus episode because mm, gotcha, we just gotcha. want that money. Yeah, yeah. Give it. Sure. But um, but it's uh, yeah. I tried to do the thing, and I just I had no idea I'd have the opportunity. So I did not know that. That's really interesting. Mm, yeah, little things like that. I do other 
uh, commercials for indie games. And in fact, they just showed Super Meat Boy Forever uh, on Nintendo's right. channel. And so that was huge for me because I did things for Sega and did things for uh, some other companies that was shown on the like, PlayStation Network and things like that. But to me, you know, Nintendo is the game company because they do gaming. They don't make Walkmans and they don't do uh, wind blows and they don't do things like that. They always yeah. did... Well, not always, but they no they, <laughs> sort yeah, of. They used to do all of that stuff, right? But, yeah, love hotels uh, and video games. Yeah, that's that's a whole another story about like Nintendo's like pre. They tried to get in. They they sold I think one of the first laser printers in the world. Ah, seventies. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All kinds of weird stuff. Um, but Taito, yeah, they they changed the game in Japan, right? That they was did. the. And so, yeah, so we'll bring it back one more time. Is that yes, okay? Yes, here we or, come. We're coming back right, to the, so to now, the game. Gonna... Rastin Saga Volume, Episode 3 Volumes. Yes, Episode 3. Going back to the Golden Axe comparison, is it has this magic thing. Is it always the same? Like, I think it's always the same. It eats up your, like, health bar. Yes. Which I feel like is a, is a, a cardinal sin for beat-em-ups. Like, I really, I know it's been there since, like, Final Fight and all that, but oh, I yeah. really... I always like to have at least one other thing to keep track of mm. for the special moves because I feel like using the desperation move and eating up your health is kind of like counterproductive. Like if you if you need to use like a desperation move, like it means like you're about to die. It's good for quarters. Yeah, I guess that is the point of these things. That's the problem with Mame. Mame, let's face it, Mame ruined it for these haymaker games. Because yeah. you just hit start again and you can use your special power and get through the whole damn thing. And in fact, this one has a dip switch of Infinite continues, which is always one of my least favorite uh, types of things. It depends on what you want to do. Like, mm. I feel like beat em ups are like so uh, deliberately unfair a lot of times that yes, it's, true. it's like I'm not really sure what, like, if I can't just like feed quarters into it just to see where it goes. And usually they're not that long. I think you can probably finish this game in about 20. Eight minutes, probably. Yeah, yeah. It I is, was looking it at somebody's run online. Yeah, yeah, like somebody posted a playthrough, and it was like they're all like 25, 26, 28, 30 minutes. And Golden Axe is guilty of this too. Mm-hmm. I feel like Golden Axe. I feel like the the actual gameplay feels a little bit uh, more solid, whereas I feel Rostan or Warrior Blade has kind of still has one foot in the Rostan world, where like yeah, I think the first enemies you fight are these weird like ground tentacle things yeah and like you hit them I think, once and they just burst into bloody chunks it's yeah. just like uh like you like it would happen in, in, in like early rostan enemies right they just kind of like show up and you wow wow and they die really fast or but like trojan i have never seen uh characters like that those little tentacle dudes yeah the, it's it's the game also has a lot of generic characters too like the guys with the shields yeah who, Every single stage, almost the guy with um, the, sh- the guys with the shield do my favorite move because you can actually knock the shield from the guy and you can knock mm-hmm. the sword from his hand, and then he'll go in fisticuffs, and that's always one of my favorite things that happens in games. Like you're going against a karate guy, you can't shoot him, and he knocks a gun out of your hand, and then you think you could fight him with your fists. He, right. You just couldn't beat him with a gun. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It reminds so, me of a. Uh, I mean, one of my when I was a kid, the, the arcade game I loved most was the just the regular Mario Brothers, and I and the reason why I loved it so much is like when you knocked the turtles out of their shells, mm-hmm. they just like hop out and they'd be like in their like you know undershirt and like <laughs> yes. putting up their dukes, like yeah, I want to make something of it, buddy. Yeah, he's really <laughs> like, mad. It's it's such a cool, cute little detail, and uh, yeah, is it was it just me, or if you played with uh, with uh, Sophia, the whip lady, would she just like whip the shields out of their hands? Yeah, it was like, you can it was bump like a, the shields, you can whip the shields, not as not as deep a moveset as, as other fighting no. games, but you could hit the swimming monsters when they were underwater, you couldn't hit people when they were on the ground, though, but you could uh, stab down uh, and hit the little uh, uh, swimming things before they popped up. And you can do like the standard beat them up, like approach somebody and then attack them at close range and you pick them up, I think. Yes, and, you can punch them in the yeah, face so, uh, maybe once. or t- I only ever punch them in the face once and then I threw them. Yeah, you like kind of get them to double over and then you, yeah, I mean, that's been, that's been a, a staple 
for a long time. And and the magic thing is really kind of not nearly as impressive as Golden Axe, unless no. there's something secret that I didn't discover. But in like Golden Axe, you have like the the dragon that comes down and just yeah. blasts the whole screen with fire. Yeah, and it's got the great sound effects that they literally ripped out of the movie Conan the Barbarian and a couple others. Yeah. And uh, what I love most is like when you are in Golden Axe when you're really like laying into somebody you like you know you slash him twice and then you like smack him in the, in the top of the skull with the pommel of your sword oh, yeah. it's like, doc, doc, doc. yeah it's a great sound great sound and even on a genesis it was a good sound it sounds so good i mean that to me is like probably the one of the most satisfying sounds ever in an arcade game and and i also like how in golden x you can press what is it attack and jump at the same time and it, it will uh do this like kind of spin move that attacks behind you that's extra powerful right and inevitably the game like if you want to try to beat the game on like one continue or something like that you pretty much end up doing that all the time like the dwarf will roll backwards and it's you just do that constantly because it's the only way to, <laughs> to really survive and i don't think rostan has any or warrior blade has anything like that yeah when you hit when you hit jump and attack together it's just sort of this standing more powerful Slice. If you're Rastin, that's what he does. He does a standing more powerful slice. He has his standing still. It looks like just an, another regular move. It's there, but it doesn't really do a lot. You're absolutely right. The As far as Golden Axe comparison, Golden Axe, far more of a fighting game, far more of a beat-em-up, far, far more of a haymaker. Whereas I think Warrior Blade brings in a much higher level of fantasy. Um, I think the yeah, backgrounds it does. are like, more creative and, and um, the yeah. graphics are beautiful. The boss battles are way better than Golden Axe. Like mm. Golden Axe is just like a bunch, like just a progression of like tall muscle dudes. Mm. There's like the fat muscle dudes, there's the armor muscle dude, and then there's death equal adder at the end, right? Yeah. So whereas with this game, like you've got like the pirate ship level where at the end, like you meet this old... I guess he's like an old pirate wizard or something. I didn't know pirates multiclassed like that. But um, <laughs> he does the welcome to your doom type speech and then um, like bursts out, like turns into like some kind of squid thing, I yes, think, or some an sea octopus. beast. And, and, he, and it like sinks the ship, like the, yeah, the ship capsizes. Exactly. As you're, that's a really cool thing. And then also like some of the other, like when you fight like the, the goat wizard guy later on, I don't know, like, you can play certain levels and not play others I exactly think, right yeah so, there's different paths so i didn't uh, go through lava i i fought the octopus guy and most of the bosses you can chop parts of them off which i thought was great yeah that's and you great chop parts of the octopus's arm off but then the story tells you oh you got venom from this dude you know he infected you so now you have to go find his fairy and get the potion for it, and then you have right. branching paths out of that. So that's where I think the fantasy comes in. So you fought a goat head guy. Yeah, it was like a like a some kind of levitating goat wizard guy. He kind of just stayed on the far right of the screen, as I recall, and he would send uh, like I think they were like dragons or fire creatures or something. He would shoot them at you, and they would kind of bound towards you and you were supposed to hit them back and knock them back towards him it's you know it's like something you've seen in a lot of other games but you don't see it in too many beat-em-ups mm-hmm. that was kind of cool and there's you know the, the bosses have some extra element to them that i think doesn't even really it's it's hard to do boss battles in in these types of games i think sure. that they really they rarely feel even a classic like final fight the the bosses are creative looking but they're all kind of mostly the same until you get to the wheelchair guy mm-hmm. and uh like they're not really that different from even the regular enemies you fight they're just a little bit stronger most of the minions here instead of just coming from off screen they come from a different type of seed that the boss is throwing out like there's a right. like a venus flytrap giant uh thing whatever that movie was called <laughs> A uh, little shop of horrors type yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he'll he'll throw out some of his arms and then they'll become little tiny monster creatures. So, yeah, uh, yeah little It's little cool. It does. Like you said it's like you felt like it, it captured the high, high fantasy vibe of like, uh, I guess you're thinking of like, I don't have like a huge knowledge of, of these books, but um, like besides Conan, you had like what, like 
El Sprague de Comp or something like that, or like these, like, you know, these like 60s and 70s, Michael Moorcock, that kind of thing, like where mm-hmm. you'd have like a lot of uh, stories about like they're kind of like the raw materials that I think maybe like the original D&D, you know, monster manuals were built out of or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, there are a lot of like summoning and, and like other weird stuff characters who were like try to create life and big vats of goo and things like that and uh, you see that uh, yeah it's you get that kind of thing and there's also a variety in the enemies too i think that or the bosses at least in this game that i like although i don't really like the interstitial uh traveling stages where you're just like you know you've mounted a horse or something and you're i always feel like those things in uh they happen in a lot of beat-em-ups mm-hmm. and um like they, Sengaku. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they look, they usually look really cool and they don't feel as fun as they should. But <laughs> that's they're, true. They look cool. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. It's like, if nothing else, the game has to look cool enough to make you want to play it a little bit longer to put in the other quarter. And this game does that. The flavor text it adds to things in the German mm. <laughs> speech is interesting, although I, it hurts my eyes to read and try to read. <laughs> If you're like playing this on MAME or something on your TV or something like that, where it's like you're kind of too far away, like the game expected you to be a foot and a half away from the screen. Yes. Um, but you, you aren't when you play it at home. So the type is not on screen long enough for you to read the entire story. So no. you have to you have to take photo. I take photos. Uh, you know, most people do screen caps. <laughs> I have to, I take photos uh, yeah. and I develop them and, and uh, have to wait, you know, to get them back. Wow! No, I don't do that. But I wouldn't. Down, I wouldn't put it past me. And, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past me. Something I would do. That's kind of what I had for the game. Like I, I felt like that's sort of the reason to play it is just to see the different approach it took. And once you have the later kind of RPG beat 'em ups, you know, like when Capcom did like the Tower of Doom game. Mm-hmm. I think is that what's called the first one? Yeah, yeah, Tower of yeah. Doom, and then and then uh, Mistara. Yeah, so when they did that first one, they're Capcom, they're famous for being really good at working with their license holders, right? So they went to TSR, the, the Dungeons & Dragons people, and they like kind of spitballed some ideas with them. And they had like an early version of the game that they gave them. And then a guy from TSR sat down and uh, with his like you know game buddies, and he, he was the dungeon master on a game that tried to stick to those parameters. Oh, and yeah. Then they, they recorded it and sent it back to Capcom. And then Capcom added all the extra RPG stuff, I guess, based on that game session. Oh, yeah. Which well, is really, like, you can see it in that game. Like Definitely. When we reviewed uh, Mastara, we kept forgetting, like, are we reviewing an arcade game or are we talking about Dungeons & Dragons Table Tapper? It was very difficult to separate because they did go that extra mile. And I think that this one goes into that as well with the uh the the scenes that aren't as fun to play as they are to look at you're at least breaking up the standard type of um right punch and kick game and you're building a bridge between the story and you're bringing in that extra fantasy whether or not you need it yeah I don't know whether it's it's needed gameplay wise, but I do think that it it does add something fun and like adventurous about it. it didn't play a lot of pen and paper role playing games, but my understanding is that the idea is like you know you're using your imagination, anything can happen. And, mm. and with like a game like uh, like Golden Axe, they tried to do something like this where they'd have like the little interstitial scenes of like of the journal, like somebody be like a quill would show up oh, on yes, the screen yes. and like draw the next place they'd go, and they had some really creative worlds like the back of a turtle the back of a giant eagle and yeah, stuff like true. that yeah and it would be, and it had like the cool music but it was really just ushering you along to the next regular level whereas when you have like you know the horseback riding and the dragon riding it feels like wow this is something different is happening and then when you get back to like the castle and it's just the castles are just like you know one long flat plane and then there's like a chain at the end that you can yeah. climb up or down yeah and it's another long flat plane with like the double dragon-esque like spike traps that usually do a lot more damage to the incoming enemies than than uh they did to me um they'll just keep walking into them. yeah not, that's not good of, i like yeah. when the enemies take damage from the environment i don't like when they don't that's another kind of hallmark of beat-em-up games mm. i think even back to double dragon like you know if, if a enemy like throws a barrel and it misses you but it can hit the other guys it, it makes it feel more fun i think it's it's yeah. more entertaining you feel like it's gives you some of that interactivity that it's you a want. real barrel then it's not yeah, a real barrel if it goes through the enemy. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just fake. This right. is real. Yeah. I'm not sure what else there is to say about Warrior Blade. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Like, I mean, is the music particularly interesting or? Yeah, I thought the music was good. I felt that as you were describing Golden Axe to me, that was more like a movie, like a Conan movie or something. Yeah. Whereas this is more like a book, reading a book about the magic goes away or an Elric story uh, and other things like you mentioned like that. And I was just watching a movie recently and I got King Arthur and The Legend of the Sword. And I'm like, you know what this world needs? More King Arthur movies and and, and t- more Tarzan movies. Let's do a new Tarzan. But I got to tell you, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, was straight up hardcore fantasy. Big fantasy. I was incredibly surprised. And any type of origin story they did, like in four seconds, like boom, 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 in the middle of the thing, just out of nowhere, just telling you, oh, this is how this happened. So, you know, don't worry about it anymore. Now we're back into the action. As far as movies go, this reminded me of that movie as far as the high fantasy. Tarzan, uh, no, no. no. <laughs> and, well, it's got like a shirtless muscle guy. It does, and let me tell you, his body's awesome. But, yeah, he looks good. But uh, Tarzan was a lot more video game. Like, you know, the Avengers movies are all video game. You might as well be watching a video game because they're not real people flipping around. There was very little of that in uh, in the King Arthur um, story, very little just CG people, uh, but there was a lot in the Tarzan, and of course all the apes were freaking you know, video games as well. Yeah. That's what we call them, we just call them video games, they're not you know, we don't even <laughs> use the word CG anymore, because video games have gotten so realistic and so good that it, it just might as well be a video game. What did you think of the music? Do you think it fit it? I thought it fit it quite well. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, nothing really stood out to me, but no. I think that's partly because, like, if you do a video game podcast, you play a lot of games, and, you know, this, the details just don't stick as well as, as maybe they would if you were an eight-year-old uh, encountering this in smoky arcade. Mm. Um, but then again, like, I never could hear the music in, when I played arcade games. <laughs> no. Um, in in the old days, like I couldn't hear anything. I could hear like in Revolution X, you'd hear that over all the other machines if that <laughs> was in the room. Because don't give up, you'd hear that <laughs> over and over. And uh, but uh, I changed my mind. There is a lyrical song in here even. So I really? changed my mind. Yeah, I, th- I changed my mind about this this game. I did really like the music. I put it on par with um, can't think of the Japanese name right now, but uh, when it came out for the PlayStation, the the Super Big Brother. Cho, Choi. Oh, Choaniki. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It. Yes, I love the music from that game. So it reminded me a little of this, and I think that they put the processing power of the, probably to have two music chips. The German in here is very, okay, boy, but don't play it. There's many people like you all over the world. A little bit above that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think they put most of the power into the music. So I think the music is, definitely fits the game. It's not yeah. like you're hearing Camp Town races or something. No, no. I mean, it's. I'm gonna have to give it a closer listen. Um, I didn't have you know the volume blasting on on my uh, computer when I was playing it, so it probably is better than I'm remembering. Graphic wise, we covered that. It's a, a nice, very nice looking game. Good sprite art, I think, for the time, 1991. Mm-hmm. The replay value is there in the branching pathways to see the whole game. Right. Yeah, there's that. You can you can do that to see more. That's that's another thing it kind of brings that Golden Axe didn't have. And that would become standard in, uh, or not standard, but that would become, I think it's had to have in, in, influenced Capcom making the, because mm. it's, it's a couple of years prior. So they had to have been thinking like, oh, this is a possibility. Like we get the Dungeons and Dragons license, which is such a weird mm. Thing to make an arcade game on but you know they're like oh you could do something with this and so if nothing else like you can look at warrior blade it's like it's a proto game and like a very limited subgenre of beat-em-ups and they would go on to bigger and better things but you know who knows what what would have happened if this didn't exist or maybe it you know it's something that the game designers at capcom arrived at independently but i have a feeling they were aware of what a major publisher like taito was was doing oh yeah uh, Taito tried to get in on on the beat 'em up mania, but then like I think it was very quickly consumed by Street Fighter Two, and mm-hmm. you didn't see as many of these games after that because 
it's a whole new fad that you could latch onto. And I'm not sure Taito really grasped that one either. I'm not, I can't think of too many. They had a game, um, they did out Foxies, right? That's probably their yeah. coolest. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. That is an awesome, which, you know, like basically is like super smash brothers before that existed. Yeah. If you play, yeah. if you like that and I don't know if you ever played boogie wings, the great rank time, great ragtime <laughs> show yeah if you liked out foxy's give uh, a okay. great ragtime show a try check. i'll yeah. check that it's out it's like the shooter version of of out foxy's that does sound pretty cool yeah i think taito also around this time this is when they had sonic blast man that mm. uh debacle are you familiar with this one no why don't you enlighten me this will be a nice little coda to the to the warrior blade thing because it's another example of taito in the early 90s i think trying to do something different and it looks like i've never seen one in the wild um and there aren't many of them out there because it was recalled after injuring players but um (laughs) it looks like it was sort of like a punch out type game but it had like a giant punching bag thing and, and the player could like would have to oh yes 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 yeah you'd actually have this yes yeah, you'd have to actually, you played one, like a real yes. machine? Uh-huh. It, did it hurt? No. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm a real tough guy. Yeah. Okay. I shook hands with Uncle Sam. Okay. Yeah, I'm a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, but I so could like, see it hurting somebody. Yeah, it's apparently injured some kids. Because uh, it's, it's, it's not like you're punching a punching bag. You're punching a, a piece of, like, wood. <laughs> yeah. With a, it's, it's a slight bit of a, a covering on it. You got to wonder, like, who, like, it's telling because they made a second game in that series, but it was not released in the United States. Mm. Um, only Europe and Japan, where people are less litigious. <laughs> but yeah, they actually had to settle with the government because um, wow. they didn't, they took it off the market, but they, they recalled the machines, but they didn't disclose that it had injured people, <laughs> which I guess you're legally required to do. Uh-huh. So they, like, were fined at 50 grand. Wow. Uh, Taito running, uh, they fought the law and the law won, I think. I don't know if you've ever so, seen people like in Korea playing the punch bag game, the boxing bag game. Uh-uh. They uh, back up from the machine about three feet. They take running skips and they put both of their hands together like they're going to, uh, like a clubbing type of thing. And then they hit yeah. the, the punching bag with both hands and you know some people are hitting the back of the freaking game you know wow. that's that's why people they don't like these punching things but that's how they uh that's how they actually play the punching bag games is <laughs> they that hammer is, fist it wow <laughs> yeah is, yeah Rastin saga Rastin saga yeah it's, <laughs> i recommend is... it to people who like Rastin. a lot of people played Rastin for their nes so i recommend it to them to see where it progressed to as far as people in the arcade uh, that are into arcade things, I had something to compare it to, and I completely forgot. So there you go. Yeah. Well, we compared it to enough, though. I think we covered all the. There's there's a lot of stuff that it, you can compare it to, but it's. I mean, I gotta say, like I had not played this game in a long time, and and I feel like I the first time I I tried it, I probably didn't pay enough attention to it, because it's it's definitely got a lot there. Yeah, you brought so, up a great game. Definitely a game that we would have reviewed at some time if we would have even saw it. Well, I mean, you gave me some choices, so don't take all oh, the credit. Oh, did Kyle I, I give you choices? Credit. Okay. Yeah, Kyle, no, Kyle he yeah, says that's that right. yeah, he, yeah. he gave me some choices. So. Usually we give shitty choices, so good thing you weren't on Summer Stink. You, like, try to, yeah. Because 8-Bit I, Geek and Retro League, we always give them the Summer Stink, and they're always like, why do we always get these lousy games? It's because you're in Summer Stink. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's the whole point. Right. Oh, man. You want to hear some awful games. The stuff at the bottom of our list on my show is like, some of these are barely games. Like, they're, one game we found out was like a text adventure that is impossible to finish, and nobody told us that, and we were playing it for hours. <laughs> yeah, so it gets pretty dark. You know, it gets pretty, it gets pretty bad when you really look for the worst in the worst. But in a way, there's something charming about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So some, some of them are. Yeah, some of thanks them are not. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me on the show. This is great. Hell this yeah. is a lot of fun. Good, good. I, I hope that we can have you back one day, and because you know your stuff, and and it'll uh, get you into playing some arcade titles as well. So yeah, uh, always need an excuse for that. That's yeah. good. Did you ever review any of the text games uh, for Marvel Comics? There was a whole series no. of them. Yeah, 
They tie Nobody's it in with some comics, them. too. Oh, okay. Okay, well, yeah. I might have to nominate. Yeah, if you nominate one. I think there's, I recall something about an Incredible Hulk game. Yeah, there's like five which, of them, and they revolve around not the magic gems that Thanos wears, but something like that, the crystals. Whatever the 80s version of that was, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, those are interesting. You know, an Incredible Hulk text adventure is a incongruous uh, <laughs> genre if I've ever heard one. Like, you are the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> but you can't see him. You can't do like, <laughs> just. I don't want to do one more tangent, but I collect a lot of rack toys. So I have the Incredible Hulk kazoo. You know when the Incredible Hulk did the kazoo? Oh, yeah. I have the Incredible Hulk wind up swimming. He loves swimming. He hated water. The Defenders, that was the whole big gimmick. He's in water. It's like like Mr. T hates planes. Exactly. It was the same thing. I have uh, the Incredible Hulk sunglasses, you know, when he wore the sunglasses. Oh, yeah. Those are great. (laughs) So So many Hulk-related memories. Yeah. The Incredible Hulk fake handcuffs. All these things. A friend of mine once got for Christmas a Batman-themed play shaving set. So, like, a a fake uh, can of Batman shaving cream. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have a WCW one with Hulk Hogan, and it has WCW shaving cream and disposable fake razors. Well, at least he has, like, the mustache to trade on. I mean, he's got to shave that thing. But Batman, I just never pictured him as, like, opening up the utility belt in costume and, like having a good old shave but i guess he did that's the great thing about rack toys they cost very little to make you get a license and the people that that give you the license are very happy to get a couple extra bucks from selling crap yeah but uh it's it's very charming like this game so thanks for being on rob people check out the hardcore gaming 101 and check out do you do anything besides that or just a podcast for them I mostly just do the podcast for them. Okay. Like I don't, like I said, I, I'm too lazy well, to actually enough. write the articles. Yeah, it's it's work. Do you people come to a Twitter for you and a, and a Facebook oh, yeah. for you? Or I've got. Well, I don't. I don't do Facebook. I don't okay. really. Who has time for that? Well, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter at gc9x on Twitter, and uh, that's a terrible Twitter handle. But that's what I'm. That's what I have. So. And what caused that? Well, originally, the, the, our first podcast was called Game Club 1990X, and so I like you know was trying oh. to stay on brand oh, that's with right. that. Yes, I saw that. Yes, and that was shortened immediately to GC9X because it's easier to do. And then now the show is called something else entirely, and uh, but I'm stuck with it, so I can live with it. GC9X on Twitter, you know, it's Twitter. Like you never know what I'm going to be ranting about, but um, yeah. So, you know, if you can tolerate it, then I do post updates to the the thing. And there is some game related stuff on there. So oh, yeah, man. check check it out, and uh, and um, I'll definitely make sure to to make a mention of this episode. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, don't be a jerk all the time. I hope that you like me. Bye bye. <laughs> Like to take it down a bit here. Dim the dim the stage lights a little here and done. Get some quality Christmas time with uh, all my friends out there. Even Brian. I, I really want to do good on this song. It's a favorite of mine. Yeah. Here we go. Somewhere. The distant night, Christmas time, and Christmas trees, gentle snow falling down on me. It's Christmas time in Maryville. That's the way it's always been. It's a cold never Gentle snow keeps falling down. Stick it up in Chinatown. Hallelujah and Christmas bells, Christmas bells and Santa Claus. It's cookie time, cookie is like the low in cookie town. Hallelujah and holly trees. 
Blood stains and monkey brains. Mistletoe, piss on my toes. Merry love on your way home to your family. To see how they're doing. When I look out of the window at the softly foam and the snow, and I feel the, the cold chill on the air. I look down upon the Rocky Mountains of Pennsylvania and I travel all over this world, all over, I say, and I go to the Antarctica of China and I, I see the great snow pandas and, and hell, even when I walk past an ice machine and it's some type of holiday inn or something, I still get that feeling of love and, and, and the feeling of Christmas and the feeling of Christmas bells and, and holly leaves. Cold chills out in the air. Of Pennsylvania, I see the pandas going by. I don't know how it used to be. I think of how it used to be with holly leaves and Christmas trees. The lights are glow with mistletoe. I walk over this way. I forgot half the shit. Sad.